Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Rallies calling for peace in Ukraine following the full-scale Russian invasion of the country are expected to continue through the weekend here in California. Several demonstrations were held yesterday in Los Angeles. Gregory Frangetti is from Moscow. He tells KCRW in Santa Monica that many Russians actually side with Ukraine in this conflict. There are millions and millions who don't uh, support the aggression, who oppose the aggression, and who oppose uh, Putin's corrupt, uh, bloody regime. In San Francisco, hundreds gathered in front of City Hall to show their support for Ukraine. Maria Pankiv has family in western Ukraine. Only women and children are able to leave out of this moment. Uh, all men have to stay in the country, so uh, my, my grandmas, my mom, my sister-in-law, my niece will have to leave. And in front of the state capitol building in Sacramento, a large gathering was held with people singing the Ukrainian national anthem and waving the flag of Ukraine. Max Semenenko has friends and family there and spoke to CBS 13 in Sacramento. I'm an American now, and uh, I know what freedom is. And I think they're in the front of right now fighting for their freedom. Yesterday, I talked to Larissa Rifle, president of LA's Ukrainian Cultural Center, about how Ukrainians and Ukrainian Americans here are processing the news of the invasion. Yes, it's a combination of um, uh, sadness, you know, and fear for the future. If I could be so bold as to speak for the Ukrainian community here in LA. So I think a lot of the conversation has been around how do we help? And so a lot of the ways that we can help here is doing things like this, talking to the press, which has been, you know, for all of us, a, a fairly tall order because, you know, it, not everyone like you saw is as educated in Ukrainian history. And so it's kind of hard to have a conversation explaining certain things if people don't have the historical context. Uh, so we do that. Um, people are talking to family at home, though that can be spotty because of the cyber attacks and, you know, um, sometimes the mobile phone systems aren't up. So it, it, reaching people is hit or miss. Could you imagine Ukrainian Americans from this country, from California, going, somehow getting to Ukraine to join the fight or uh, helping to provide services to refugees who might cross into Poland and other neighboring countries? Yeah, I think the latter rather than the former. You know, the Ukrainian community here is is very, I would say, level-headed, right? So in many respects, you know, we're hyphenated Americans, if you will. But, um, you know, there is no expectation in this community that, you know, we should put American boots on the ground or put Americans' lives at risk. You know, it's, it, we're not crazy about it in that way. But I do think that 
our perspective is a little bit more cautious. You know, we see the domino effect. We understand the linchpin and buffer zone that Ukraine has been. And, you know, we feel like, okay, you know, Europe has seen this before. And what are you going to be doing personally in the coming days and weeks, you and other spokespeople and leaders of the Ukrainian-American community here in L.A., San Francisco, San Diego, other places? What um, What's job number one in the, in, in the next few days? You know, job number one, quite honestly, Saul, is rejuggling our priorities, right? So as a culture center, we have a number of events planned. Right. And, you know, the question has now become in the last 24 hours, do we move forward with all of those events at the center? What is appropriate? What isn't appropriate? You know, there is going to be one school of thought that says, shut everything down. Let's not do anything. We don't want to invite any problems to the center. You know, we but then the other school of thought is likely to be, well, but it's keeping the center open and staying on schedule with all of our activities is important for continuing the work of the center, which is, you know, to have Ukrainian culture and the importance of Ukrainian independence front and center um, in front of American citizens so that they understand the geopolitical and geostrategic context of the country. Oh, that's really interesting what you said. So basically, say, with, with the Ukrainian Center here in L.A., does it sort of continue with its uh, important but, you know, kind of standard programming, uh, music, cultural programming, all the rest? Or do you turn into kind of something else and explaining Ukraine to more Americans, right? And, yeah. and you know, the other, the other idea that's on the table is, you know, I was thinking of calling together a summit. Um, we have very close ties to the Lithuanian, Estonian, and Latvian and Polish communities here in Los Angeles. And I was thinking, well, it could be worthwhile for us all to get together to have a meeting of the minds and an information sharing session about how things are going in their countries, how they're shoring up their resources in the event that this expands beyond the Ukrainian border. I, you know, there are, the more information we all have, I think the better decision makers we can be in this difficult time. All right. That is Larissa Rifle of the Los Angeles-based Ukrainian Cultural Center. Larissa, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. And in other news, California's Reparations Task Force continued meeting Tuesday. But as we hear from KQED's Lakshmi Sarah, many were left disappointed. The nine-member task force was expected to make a decision on who would qualify for California's reparations program. 
In public comment, some were in favor of a tiered policy or a program more inclusive of all Black Californians, but many others, including Chris Lodgson, are advocating for a lineage-based reparations program. Don't delay this vote. Don't delay this decision. Be bold. Be strong. Make reparations eligibility about lineage only. After over an hour of discussion, the task force voted 5-4 to four to table the decision until the next meeting in March. For The California Report, I'm Lakshmi Sarah. All right, let's go to a preview of our sister show, The California Report's weekly magazine. This week, host Sasha Coca tells us about a new young adult novel coming out next week, set in the Mojave Desert. Outside, the sky is heavy and close. I get a whiff of Mojave petrichor, that singular scent of rain falling on dry earth mixed with sweet creosote. Amma got grouchy when it rained, hating the snarled traffic, leaking motel roof, and flooded streets. But to me, rain in the desert felt miraculous. That's an excerpt from the new novel All My Rage by Saba Tahir. It draws on her own experiences growing up in her family's 18-room motel in the Mojave Desert, the daughter of Pakistani immigrants, facing racism, Islamophobia, and taunting from other kids. In the book, the character Noor has just one close friend at school she confides in. Do you think our adulthood will make up for everything we had to deal with as kids? I ask him. Like, we get out of here and you go to med school and I become a writer and our lives will be amazing? They don't have to be amazing. Just not. My face throbs. Not this. You're going to escape this place, Noor. He looks over at me. You're going to become a doctor. Your adulthood is going to make up for all of it. Tahir's earlier young adult series, Ember in the Ashes, hit number one on the New York Times bestseller list. But this book, she says, was personal, required her to dig deep. I've never been a person who thinks a lot about, you know, self-love. But this book required a lot of self-love and a lot of hope to write. Um, You know, love and hope for who I'd become as an adult and love and hope for the little kid out in the desert who didn't know how to deal with the difficulties that came her way, but who survived them. And you can hear more of Sasha's conversation with author Sabha Tahir on this week's California Report magazine. Listen to it on some public radio stations or subscribe to the magazine's podcast. And you can also get the podcast for this, the Daily California Report, there as well. So go get it and subscribe. And that is the California Report for Friday, February 25th. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin and Danny Bringer, with assistance from Seal Muller. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinny Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan Tobin Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day and weekend. Support for the California Report comes from Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. Stanford Healthcare, alerting listeners to the critical blood shortage in the area. Now's the time to donate blood and make a difference. StanfordBloodCenter.org. And the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. 
Learn more at Irvine.org. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.